0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with
1: Viator. This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two bargees and a bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed,
2: Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden.
1: Bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. Okay, so we started preparing for this pod with like no news and with exception to some Winchester's news but now we have an abundance of news so starting at the top the sports is still sportsing at the CW we now can expect inside the NFL on um the network come September I feel like it's a good move for the Tuesday September 5th premiere I just do not care about football but for all everyone who does I hope this is good programming for you. It used to be on Paramount Plus and then it got moved to, to the CW. So that might be easier in people's wallets. I'm not sure.
2: I mean, I know nothing about sports, but I've heard of inside the NFL before. So I guess it's I big. haven't. So you're ahead <laughs> <telling> of me. <laughs> Word travels around the world. Um, but I mean, like, it makes sense from a marketing standpoint. But I feel like with a lot of these decisions, I won't be there.
1: I feel the same way, but for those of us who don't know anything about Inside the NFL, uh, it is a weekly program that starts the first week of the season and runs through the Super Bowl. According to TV Line, it promises to have an authoritative look and listen into every week's greatest moments and unforgettable stories and showcases previously unseen angles of pivotal game action as captured by NFL film cinematographers.
3: Sweet. Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> 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 Wonderful. <laughs> they don't have any, Um, they haven't announced the host yet. So they're going to do that at a later date. Uh, This is also going to change the fall schedule because it was previously announced that they would have a Tuesday comedy block uh, that may still be happening. I'm not sure how long Um, Inside the NFL is uh, runtime wise, if it's an hour, if it's two hours, but if it's two hours, that comedy block is going to have to move elsewhere or be held possibly until after the football season. I don't know if anyone is like anticipating the Tuesday comedy block on the CW, but if you are, it might be a done deal. Uh, As far as the Winchester's news that I was talking about earlier, we're not getting a season two, which isn't really that surprising um i know they were rallying and they were dropping videos but it just didn't seem like it had a place to go even as much as fans wanted it to land on potentially streaming it was never going to go to another network not in this climate
4: no the where we're at right now is not conducive to saving a one season show from the cw Mm -hmm. that's just no shade just all facts i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) It, it feels a little disappointing
2: because they're Fought so hard for it. We, I mean, we we're used to CW shows being cancelled, and then go we because, like Reed said, that's the climate we're in. But they fought so hard, and that word "aggressive" was used. You kind of, a part of you kind of did hope that they would succeed in the end, just because it was so different. The same for Wendy, which we haven't heard anything on either. So, yeah, it's just it's unfortunate for the Winchesters because it was a fun show, and everyone was so excited about it, and everyone fought so hard for it, and the cast's wonderful.
4: But yeah, unfortunately it just joins a long lineup of CW shows that died too soon. I do kind of want like an oral history of like what they did to try to bring it back mm-hmm. for season two. Like I wanna know what aggressive means. Like someone mm-hmm. needs to do an interview. Like, I wanna know. <laughs> Give us the tea.
1: Yes. We do need it because I've never actually heard that term used when they're talking about shopping. Usually it's generally just we're shopping the show to see if it's going to be able to land on another stream or another network. Not we're aggressively looking for a new home for the show. Like, OK, mm-hmm. I mean, are we blowing up uh, reps, inboxes and phones? Like, are you calling in favors to people who are now the executives who handle all that? Like, what are we doing? Because uh, the same term was used for Wendy, which I know we said there is no news, but I'm kind of taking my lead from Kat since she's the lead of the show. And Kat is like, blessings upon everyone. This was a lovely experience. And so sad that it's done. But she always seems to have the mindset of like, that was fun. I loved it. Love everyone. Wish we could have lived in that world. I'm moving forward. So I'm just going to take her lead on that
4: one. You know, I think we should start looking at, more closely at that kind of attitude around these things. I won't, I'll say this as diplomatically as I can, because I wasn't planning on saying it, but I think a lot of these personalities, I'll say personalities, need to like check how they rally these fandoms Mm and like the language that they use. Because I think some of the language we heard is like, Whit Walker independence won't be on the CW which is like great manifesting that you want to see season two somewhere else other than CW. But I think sometimes fans can run with some of the language that's used when a show gets canceled and they want and the powers that be behind the scenes want to bring it back. Um, I think it's really tricky territory. And I think especially now with where the television industry is, they need to be more careful about what they say to the fans, because all we have is tweets. All we have is quotes. And they hold on to those for dear life, and I, it, I just feel like fans keep getting their feelings hurt mm. when these things don't go through. And there's just, I think it's the false sense of like confidence and hope. Like it's great to be to be confident and want something to happen and be hopeful, but it's another thing when it seems like it's misplaced a little bit. So like just out of the protection of fans, I feel like when shows get cancelled, I I think what is publicly said to mobilize fandoms needs to be um, managed a little bit better. Did I say Mm -hmm. that nicely Mm -hmm. and in a way that's not shady? (laughs) Yeah.
2: And what everything you said is 100% true because these conversations do go on in public um, and the fans see them. But meanwhile, as things like this are happening, you see like Wendy gets a complete series DVD release. And when, what are the chances that like marketing or whatever would undo that? because there's rumors of a second season. I I assume those rumors of a second season haven't been as strong as everyone would have hoped. And it just feels like we haven't had official word that Wendy is officially dead and not going anywhere else. But I feel like maybe the DVD series, the complete box set suggests that because like, I I, I'm not sure the marketing team would have went ahead with that. If there was all likelihood, um, it, just, it's, it still feels like such uncharted territory in today's day and age because we're in that era where some shows are getting picked up and where there's not just TV networks, there's streaming services and on-demand services and all different types of networks that would never wade into production or programming before. So it just feels like now that there's more options, the conversations are had for longer, but they're also made somewhat more publicly because the fandoms then get involved as well and unfortunately more time more often than not it winds up exactly the same way as it did back in the old days the show doesn't carry on and it's like how do you get used to that what what are the measurements for like oh we're shopping this aggressively but we're shopping that one less aggressively and that didn't work out but we'll try with this one it's just so hard to understand some of the language and i know that's because we we're not behind the scenes and we don't know but yeah it's, it's this is disappointing after all of that going through just to land in the exact same boat as everyone else. That you're like, was it worth getting our hopes up in the first place? Yeah, mm-hmm. the people behind the scenes
4: need to be more mindful, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
1: And because when we think about where we are entertainment wise, like even if you are not even factoring in the wider strike, uh, there is the thing about even the streamers are trying to tighten their belt. Like, they really, no one wants to take on anything. Now, we're specifically talking about scripted, but, like, the head of Unscripted at CW was also saying about how Unscripted is even in a a very precarious place right now. She did a, a deep dive with Deadline, and she was talking about how, you know, everyone thought because the writer's strike was going on that that would mean more programming would come in for Unscripted television. And she's like, it did, but not new Unscripted it was the the studios ordering more episodes of content that has already been proven. Like, it seems like we're about to go through a reaction from the industry that focuses on content they know already does well, which of course is going to mean that we're going to start stepping back from more progressive programming because that hasn't been tested as long as previous programming. So like when you think about like the Winchesters is a weird little show that could, where would it even go in this era of television like I just didn't I don't know their their prayer was max it was mm-hmm. and then that was about it I would think it wouldn't have been prime video prime video is a weird little prestigious streaming hub where they have like super like out there things but it's all prestige and then I love the Winchester's, but it's not prestige and that is okay um I'm just, I'm no longer holding on hope for Wendy. I was, but again, Kat is like, I bless everyone. (laughs) Like, and she's Mm -hmm. moving forward. So, like, I just, it's an end of think It's just the
4: safer option and the more realistic one to assume that it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And not to be the glass half empty person, but like, it's just, it's one thing to like manifest and be like, oh, it's going to happen. But I don't know realistically it, the the stats are against it any show really
3: that's true anytime
4: we see a show get saved it's like you can see the legitimate reasons why it got saved or sometimes it's like so random you're like why did they save that but like i don't know there's always like a reason behind it not saying that there's no reason that these two shows should have been saved because obviously i mean they could have mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't know it's all just weird
1: It is. It kind of makes me want to do a save the campaign, like save the show campaign style pod episode where we just explain (laughs) why these things happen. like, I'm sure some fans are pointing out to 61st Street got saved by CW, but it's also a very odd, like it's like that show got canceled by AMC because they were trying to scale back to, but CW was in a position to save it. Well, to run the second season. That's the other thing. It's already filmed. They're not paying a dime. They're airing the show. It's different. I feel like some things just when you aren't plugged into the entertainment world, you may not know about the reasons why some things will be uh, saved and other things won't be. So I think it's an interesting topic. A lot of things, a lot of the shows that have gotten saved got saved because there are already like mechanisms in place to save it, like Mag- mm-hmm. Magnum PI, like it just went to its home network. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that was it. But moving to um, the summer schedule. On the CW, which, read again, no fun in the summer sun for us. <laughs> uh, but they they finally have dates for when everything is going to be airing. Right now, what they have uh, they have on is uh, the Rising Barons, Superman and Lois, Gotham Knights, Nancy Drew, and Riverdale. But uh, Gotham Knights and Superman and Lois are going to go off by the end of June. So what's going like so by July, we're gonna have family law season two. So if you enjoyed that when it was airing in, in the fall of 2022, you can get your life to season two. Moonshine, uh, which is a like a family drama about uh siblings who are trying to take over their family's like resort uh business. Like the 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 mom and dad want to retire, but they don't know who to give the business to. And they all have like the siblings each have a stake in why they want it, which is basically to prove themselves. Uh, and i think it has like a comedy as like a dramedy or something so if you enjoy that there's that show then on saturday july 8th uh they'll we'll kick off the night with greatest geek year ever 1982 which is all about like the movies and games and everything that came out in that year that shifted pop culture in a geek sense and after that it's reruns of whose line is it anyway from 9 p.m uh to 10. tuesday july 18th the superhero spot will not have superheroes but it will have zach efron uh, so down to earth with Zach Efron, which was, is a Netflix original is making its TV debut and it'll be airing on the CW. Then you have fantastic friends, uh, which is the Phelps brothers, the twins who played Fred and George, correct? in Harry Potter have a, a traveling series. So Tuesday is all about, I guess, seeing the world. That might be interesting for those who love like the discovery channel or the, or Nat Geo or the travel channel. Uh, then Monday, July 24th we're gonna get son of a critch that's a comedy have fun children ruin everything um is after that at 9 p.m that is also a comedy i feel like i really shouldn't have to, have to explain those ones uh, if you like comedy it's 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 yours but son of a critch is about a young man's coming of age story it's like young sheldon but based on the showrunner's actual life and then children ruin everything i believe is about parents who are struggling with their children i feel like it's in the title uh, and then Monday, July 31st, it's the same block kind of. You have Son of the Critch at 8 p.m., Run the Burbs at 8:30, another family comedy. Um this one is about an Asian family um, who I guess liven up the community. They really love their the space they live in and they want to bring everybody to um into I guess kindness and celebration of who you are and, um, and the enjoyment of family. That sounds like it's going to be wholesome. Then at nine is children ruin everything. And by 9.30, you'll have bump season two. That was also something that aired last summer. I guess we're rejoined with protagonist who was a pregnant teen. I'm not sure if she had her baby already, but there's family drama involving that. And then August 3rd, which is a Thursday, Don't know what's happening in the 8 p.m. slot because they don't know either. And then um, at 9, F-Boy Island Season 2 will air. And that's going to run until F-Boy Island Season 3 starts in the fall. Uh, And God, one more slot. Okay, Saturday, (laughs) August 5th. (laughs) If you enjoy cooking shows, Saturday, August 5th is going to be exciting for you. The The fourth season of Great Chocolate Showdown will be on at 8. And then, you know, I... They have never really seen a half-hour cooking competition show, but um, at 9 p.m., Recipe for Disaster will air, and then there'll be a follow-up episode at 9.30 of Recipe for Disaster. That show is about professional chefs and a friend who can't cook whatsoever being thrown into a simulated environment in which they have to cook while also surviving, like, say, a tsunami or or, um, a monsoon or something. Um, Because
4: that's going to happen.
1: Yeah, but it's it's I guess it's supposed to be wacky and fun, and hopefully they make something edible by the end of the episode.
4: Well, I will be RSVPing with regrets for the summer schedule. <laughs> Thank God for Nancy at Riverdale. That's all I can say. You know, in the middle of all that is Nancy <laughs> <Yeah. and> Riverdale <laughs> holding down the fort.
1: It's very chaotic. I just don't. None of it is well, except for whose line is it anyway? Because that's a staple, but. None of it is giving what we've seen um, on the CW. Oh, and Family Law and and Bump. Let me let me put some respect on her name. They've been here for at least a year. (laughs) Uh, But like, other than that, it's just not giving what I'm used to. The CW giving, like, even in the summer. I'm not disappointed because I know that we're pivoting. I just don't care for this era in its infancy. But I guess that's the point. Who cares about like? I don't think there's ever been a time where like there was a pivot and people enjoyed the infancy of that pivot for a network or a streamer.
4: Mm, I mean, when they had more superhero shows, everyone was complaining up and down about that.
1: That's true. They were tired and then they enjoyed it. Because I do, I do remember, they're like, what about our other shows? I want normal television. I was like, well, we're not there no more. But <laughs> they
4: also were like, here's your superheroes, but here's Jane the Virgin. Mm-hmm. Mm. there's there's still food at home you're just uh you're complaining too much to look at it <laughs> open the fridge <laughs> it does feel a little too jarring this time
2: maybe that's just me and i know we do have nancy at riverdale but they're the holdovers like this time next year they won't be on the schedule it's just it feels a little too jarring for its own good i'm not sure the cw audience will take to any of that but i guess i guess that's the challenge we'll have to wait and see. i
1: know well because some of this is like son of a critch children ruin everything and i is that the only ones? Yeah. Those two, oh, and around the birds, they were meant for the fall schedule. So mm. again, I don't know, are we just rolling from summer into fall with those? I mean, they. I believe they were in the Tuesday blocks So perhaps inside the NFL is going to bump them to, to 2024, oh, okay. which is possible. I, at this point, I just want to get through 2023 with the CW and see what they have for us in 2024.
2: Mm-hmm. And the outcome of the change, see what it's like?
1: Yeah. And I also want to see what these ratings are going to do, especially for mm-hmm. FBoy Island, because this is their attempt at The Bachelor. Like, obviously, it's not The Bachelor, completely different type of style of reality TV dating series, but they don't have a big um unscripted show like that. So this is their shot.
4: Well, I mean, they have less than two months until those premieres, so they better get on the promo trail so people know that it's happening.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: mm-hmm. You can't just put things on and be like, anybody here? If they don't know about it, they're not going to be there.
1: Oh, yes. And I should warn, if you do like FBoy Island or if you end up liking it because you're you going to watch season two when it airs on the CW, season three, same vibe, less budget. And they're going to be in Malibu. That's mm. where we are. That's how we're, we're going to still give you an island-esque vibe. <laughs> But it's not going to be an, an <laughs> island you'd think about when you're like, oh, where should I go to an island for vacation? Like, that's not going to be where your mind is. But that's, you know, it's okay. okay. Let's give them a shot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> have to start somewhere or restart.
1: I <laughs> know. Uh, they're aware of what their budget is, and I uh, appreciate that. And mm. and some of the transparency. Uh, but moving um, to what we're watching in a show that does have a budget.
2: I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Superman and Lewis, Uh this episode for me I know last week I had said that the previous one was a struggle bus it's also a struggle bus with the interesting and big final ending but it was okay I, I'm interested to see what we do in the penultimate episode and in the finale
2: Last week's episode, actually, looking back on it, was quite fun. I know there were issues, but I, I did re-watch our conversation about it, and we had a good time. I think the difference with this week's episode is it was a very dark, intense kind of episode, and I get that the idea of it was complications because that's the title of it, but like, we're used to these kinds of arcs for characters, but and an, I don't think there was a particular problem with any single one of them, but getting them all together... It just felt like almost maybe too much. Intense is probably the word I'd use to describe it the most because every arc upped the intensity. Some got there naturally, some got there out of nowhere. And we will get into all of that. But some of it was excellent, but I just feel like maybe they did too much by having too many of the characters go through similar things at the same time that's kind of a networky trope this show tends to steer away from networky tropes since it's got more of a streaming quality to it kind of disappointed they felt the need to cram everybody's trauma into the one episode but yeah that's that's where I'm going to start
1: I think for me it's the framework of how the episode is so like the big emotional initial emotional drive is that it's the day of Lois's mastectomy Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is And that is very hard to stick the front part of the episode on as the emotional weight. It was emotional, but I also felt like a lot, a lot wasn't really going on, uh, because we were waiting in prepping and trying to get the boys settled and trying to get her settled. And, uh, there was stuff going on with Matteo and Bruno and his mom, um, Pia, where they, everything seemed to be fine with them. And I was like, where are we going with this? Because we, I felt like we were going to move through that a little bit faster. I thought we were going to go ahead. And, you know, Lois being in surgery and at, at least within 15 minutes of the episode, that did not happen. I think she goes in, what, 30 to 40 minutes into the episode. So we're really there for a really long time examining their feelings on it. Uh, not to say that there weren't good conversations. There there was. I think my favorite scene of the episode uh, is actually the scene between John and Jordan when Jordan has an, un- he has a panic attack. And I was like, oh, we're back here. I mean, anyone would really, I think that is a natural reaction to have, but we also know that uh Jordan has a mood disorder mm-hmm. and that was, a tr- that was a triggering situation. And I loved that, you know, it was his brother that calmed him down and you could see the bond between the two of them. And you could see that like, unfortunately for Jordan, it seems that every time he's going to have a new power, it has to come from trauma. And that just might be how his brain works. Like that's how his brain brain fires like well I'm upset so let's just introduce a new power to me right Mm -hmm. in this moment um and I appreciated you know that it was x-ray vision because it worked into the plot but I sometimes I really love these brothers like I really do and that was a great emotional scene that like and I love that Clark got to witness his boys having a moment together and John stepping up to take care of his brother
2: that was an incredible scene. I remember when I watched it, I was like, yes, we've been missing so much of this. And I didn't even realize the show had been missing it until we saw it. Um, I agree. I know, I'm pretty sure there was at the opening scene of the series, I think said that Jordan was diagnosed with social anxiety disorder. And that's why he very much felt isolated in the first season. But I feel like we we maybe didn't see enough or hear enough of the family talking about that after season one, because I'm pretty sure when Jordan got... Um, uh, taken over by Zeta Rowe, Talereau's father, he played on his fears, he played on his anxieties to, to, to suppress Jordan so that he could use the body. And it feels like after Lois helped him get over that, we haven't really seen any of that since. And disorders like that don't just go away overnight. And We know that Jordan's a little socially awkward and everything, but the, he, he genuinely feels things, and I don't think we've seen enough of that. So to see it now in such an important moment... It was such a powerful scene. And getting to see the two brothers share that as well, that moment as well. Jonathan is, I said last week, Jonathan is such a good brother and I'm not sure we see that enough. I miss seeing the two of them have their own, or their their storylines together. Jordan's always off worried about Sarah or superheroine. Jonathan um, had the whole Candace debacle this season with her father and the truck getting stolen and all of that. And I just wish we'd got to see more of them together. And I know this, I think the pacing is going to come into play here because this season Is starting to feel like it's running out of time and that's why i feel like it could have used the two extra episodes because the pacing in those first six seven eight nine episodes were wonderful and it's only in the last two we're starting to ask questions about that and superman at Lois is one of those shows that's always had time to press pause on the characters show us the character moments show us how they're feeling and yet this season felt the need to give us a single episode just to press pause so we can pick back up and move the story on next week it felt like this episode had a lot of overworking to do. And as a result, it was kind of too much, in my opinion. But the Jonathan and Jordan scene was probably my favorite scene in the whole episode.
1: It was fantastic. I think, I know I told you guys this when we were watching the episode, but I think my favorite parts of the episode actually have to do with the exploration of mental health. Mm-hmm. It came out of nowhere. But like I think it was rather important storytelling. Because even, you know, the, what would we say, the Sarah plot was maybe a C plot. Like uh, the, the, with her parents, but like the fact that Lana noticed that her daughter was like, she was spiraling in a way that, you know, could uh, trigger a bigger spiral and she immediately hopped to as a mom. She's like, I don't really know what's going on with you over here, Kyle, but we need to be parents right now. And Sarah is emotionally in trouble and I want to make sure that she has her tools and the resources she needs. And some of those resources are us. So let's go have a conversation with our daughter. I thought that was fantastic storytelling for Lana as a mom and Kyle as a parent, especially in the the diner scene when he is opening up the best that he can um, because Kyle isn't really a sharer and he did hold back a little bit. He didn't tell, uh his daughter what exactly it was that he had done as a teenager that had that that was rock bottom for him. I don't know if that's something that we're going to learn down the road or if it's just something that's a part of his character that we'll just never know. Um, because it it's clearly something he'd been carrying. But I enjoyed that he was like, I'm not saying that, you know, you're gonna become an alcoholic or that this is hereditary for you. What I'm saying is I lost my mom at a young age. And my crutch was alcohol and it changed who I was as a person. And I want you not to go reach for reckless things because you were sad. I want you to find structure. And that's why you're going to be righteous. <laughs> like that. That like to, to have a job. Uh, I thought them being like, it doesn't even have to, if you don't want to go to therapy, you don't have to go to therapy, but you do have to have structure and we are going to check in on you. And I thought that was beautiful and lovely. I thought it was a lot considering we didn't see Sarah, spiraling to the point of being scared of what she might do to herself but since they decided to do that storyline how they handled it I thought was was really really good
2: Mm -hmm. in the episode it was brilliant but I do agree I feel like we've kind of struggled with the way they've been portraying Sarah over the last couple of basically since the start of the season. The the, it, the story structure's been a bit all over the place with Sarah, which is why I'm glad we finally had a moment to press pause and have her have these feelings. I just hope that it isn't the old trope that we just dealt with it in this episode and now we're going to move on and she'll be back to normal. I feel like they had some wonderful conversations there, but I think feel like it needs to be an ongoing conversation, if you know what I mean. And that's not just the only plot in this episode i felt like that With it just feels like everyone had to press pause in this moment to deal with the trauma so that they could pick back up and move on and that's not what the show do- does the show usually takes the trauma with them and lets them explore them and then ultimately get over them on a natural journey like you would in real life whereas i just i you know what i mean i just feel like this was a very television kind of thing to do and the show just doesn't normally doesn't do that
1: mm. It was a very trauma-based episode in a surprising way it mm-hmm. was sort of like Okay, we have we have this episode, and then we have two more. People need to make decisions. They need to, and we need to get out of this. This some of these storylines, and we need to do it fast. We're just going to fast track of everything, which was unfortunate. I thought the um, I thought the P.L. storyline happened really fast. Like I, I figured she was going to deteriorate fast, but the 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 she went from being okay to then not being able to control her powers mm-hmm. at all. In that through me. Um, I guess if we had another episode, we would have seen her starting to deteriorate more rather than it's like she coughed and now we're over. <laughs> like now we can't <laughs> control her. <laughs> now we can't control our powers and we're shaking the entirety of like Metropolis because I guess her, I didn't quite understand. I feel like her powers shifted in that moment. Like suddenly she's shaking, not only is she, is she just vibrating so hard um, through her vocal box? That she's now shaking everything else. That threw me.
4: Mm, I was confused. I, I didn't realize she had died until Clark carried her to that rooftop or wherever he was.
1: She died weird too. That was mm-hmm. a, It didn't seem like it matched her powers.
2: It's. I, I kind of struggled with the way they did that in that episode as well. Because why at the start was she just randomly making people hear things for no reason was she just testing out her powers again seeing how they're growing because clark was flying all over metropolis trying to fix things or was she losing control at that point as well because it only implied that she started losing control when she coughed she was happy before that and then she said bruno oh we've done the wrong thing we've done it all wrong we should never have done this i'm like but you were literally like making people's lives hell five minutes ago making those sounds all over metropolis for no reason i don't know why she was doing that but um yeah, I feel like uh, back to your points that she just could not control whatever was going on inside of her anymore. Her powers seemed to have some kind of like vibrational frequency and it was kind of controlling her more than she was controlling it. Um And I think the reason that she was in so much pain was that the only way to let go was to literally let it out. So whether that was via the canary cry or apparently she can do it through her hands as well. she splattered that per man onto the train. Um, <laughs> that was like violent for Superman. Always. Um uh, but yeah. So I think back to Reed's point. I think the reason that she died was because she literally let it out in the sky, and then whatever was inside of her basically imploded, and that was that was like her final cry, so to speak. Because if she'd done that in the city, she would have taken out the whole block. That's I think Sam said that, didn't I? Um. But yeah, that felt very like season finale like the whole like mm-hmm. when we saw bruno this big bad villain who's taken over the city he was ready to pack up and move on with his family so that they could live a long happy and healthy life together i was like okay we're, we're very quickly wrapping this up here this is quickly getting the uh, finale-esque but i guess the reason why now is because i feel like we're probably done with the Mannheims now that's maybe the end of their story we've done it again where we pivoted from the type of villain midway through the season this is the third time in a row um so i feel like this has set up the stage for lax but i do think as far as like an exit for pia goes well that was incredible i feel I, i i the escalation of the arc was a problem because we didn't have an awful lot of time but i feel like that might have been one of the strongest aspects of the episode because yeah She's a bad person, so is Bruno, but you couldn't help but root for her to, to succeed, to uh, to live, to beat this, just so that she could be a mom and she could continue to be a wife and they could be happy together. I said that last week when we had that final moment of her reuniting with Bruno and uh, Matteo. But this week, there was just no no turning back for her. And the moment she realized that, that they'd gone too far, it, it was kind. Of, it was really heartbreaking. And I know you mentioned this, Sabrina, so I'll, I'll move on to this. The fact that clark had to tell her it's okay to let go which is what he learned in therapy wow that was an excellent uh way of bringing the story together i really appreciated the strength of writing in that moment
1: i didn't expect it to come back and they no. it came back in such a beautiful way and he's it's like the blending of who clark is as a person and as a superhero to have uh such a big heart to know that, like, she is basically tearing apart this town, this city, but it's she's not doing it on purpose anymore. And, like, she's suffering. Uh, And just being able to connect with her on an emotional level to understand, besides the fact that she's trying to hold it in because she doesn't want to decimate Metrop- Metropolis. That wasn't what she was trying to do. To be able to give her, like, the ability to, like, it's okay. You know, like it's, you can, you can let go. I, I will make sure that you get back to your family, even though you have to pass. And he did do that. And we, of course, we would expect Clark to do that, but it was just, just such a, when they were flying up in the air, I, I was like, Oh, it's so sad. I wonder how we're going to do, like how he's go, this is going to happen. And then when the explosion went off and he's bringing them back, I was like, I can't imagine what it would be like. And obviously it wouldn't happen because again, superpowers, but what it would be like to be, to be the family member waiting on the rooftop knowing that what's about to happen is that your loved one is going to pass and you cannot be there because of what's going on with the circumstances that was heart-wrenching um i do think though i i wish um natalie was not there like i just felt like i like she was like um What's the word I'm looking for? Comforting Mateo, but I was like, I don't know. That was a very strong emotional beat. I feel like Jale's relationship is not strong enough for you to be like pat, pat, and him to just smile at you. Like his mama just passed. I think feel like we should. I don't know. I just felt like we could have written some written something stronger for those two, if she was going to comfort him because I would be a mess on the rooftop. Like, and he seemed generally okay. Like he just even though that was a very emotional, a very emotional sequence.
2: Yeah, It was very almost like that. I think that's why Bruno ran over to him and gave him a hug when uh, John Henry said he doesn't know if Superman can do anything, um, so that they could maybe reach a stage of acceptance. I know again, maybe it happened very, very quickly, um, but yeah, I, I since this is the end of like the Bruno storyline, is it the end of Matteo now? Um, we know John Henry's going to look out for him. Um and I I did I did appreciate that one of the longest running arcs of the season has been this kind of feud between uh, John Henry and Bruno Mannheim even though it, it's because of what happened with the original uh, John Henry of that earth um but the fact that in the end Bruno said I know what kind of man you are because he trusted him to look after Matteo and that he'd keep his word I thought that was kind of a full circle moment because I'm pretty sure in, the, in one of the earlier episodes where uh, John Henry was threatening Bruno, Bruno was something, said something like, I know what kind of man you are in like a very mean kind of a, a way, implying he's not a good man. Whereas this this time he was obviously implying that he, he knows he is a good man in his heart. So the fact that Bruno was willing to trust his word and to look after his uh, son. I think that says said a lot and was a good way to write him off because there was good in Bruno. He had good intentions. He just got corrupted by the power and everything he'd done over the years. Um, so I do think that was a worthy way to write him off. I just want to say before we move on, this is a very one-dimensional character in the comics who's just the head of Intergang at more. Intergang Burley fact factored into the story. This was a man who was trying to save his wife and keep his family together. And I thought that was an excellent portrayal of the character. I just, now that we know Lex is coming in, is that the end for Matteo? is at the end for Natalie and Mateo because again that relationship escalated incredibly quickly um, she, she She didn't want to let him go and then she was ready to let him go and then she was back in his life there at the end um, but yeah I guess they just needed comfort because that was, an, that was my favourite scene of the episode it was an incredibly powerful scene when Superman showed up with Pia in his arms and they just kind of had to watch and then the song played and the emotional montage everybody was going through it in this episode
1: mm, for sure I just the I guess if we shave off the first part. Well, no, because I like the mental health issue, the parts too. I don't know. It's a it's a mixed bag, for mm-hmm. for, for this episode. Uh, before we move to Nancy, though, I did want to do a temperature check because we're nearing the end of Superman Lewis's third season. How are we feeling about it?
4: Oh, this one's for me, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we have to include you. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so I don't. I if I'm being honest, I feel like I don't remember what I've said and what has happened in the past few weeks. But watching this episode, I realized like, oh, like we have two episodes left. There's no more like waiting to see the big picture. So I was kind of like zooming out, realizing that I've seen the material thus far. Like this is 80% of the season, 87% of the season. It's not my favorite. If I zoom out and like look at the experience of watching it, but that doesn't negate any moments that I have enjoyed in the season. Like, obviously, that's... Those still exist. There's things that I really love about the season. But I think, just for me, this hasn't been my favorite season or my favorite viewing experience. I think maybe... And I don't think this is a sh- completely a show problem. It's, like, my problem. This is a me problem. Um, I don't want anybody to think that I'm, like, shading the show or saying that it's bad or anything. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but... I think for me, if I had binged it, I think perhaps I would have enjoyed it more. Mm. Mm -hmm. Cause it just feels, I don't know. I, for my own viewing experience, I think once I finish an episode, it's out of sight, out of mind. And I completely forget about the show. And then I watch a new episode and I'm like, I feel like it's been a month, but it's only been like a week. I don't (laughs) know. I just remember really having a lot of fun with season two and Mm -hmm. having fun watching it. And the season has been different.
1: I can see that. I think season three was really high up there for me. And then as I told y'all, we hit this episode. And I will factor in the previous episode too. I was like, let me take a step back and look at the whole season because what is it that I'm actually enjoying? And so for me personally, I'm loving the Clovis. And I really think the Lois storyline is a strong plot. I don't think the superhero aspect of the show this season matched the, the family drama one. I think the family drama was better writing and the superhero one, because it was intertwined with Lois's story, I had to take a backseat. Um, and we had some really fantastic action sequences, but in all honesty, even though, like, as Michael, as you pointed out, Bruno is fleshed out as a, as a, as a villain in the storyline. He wasn't really giving the type of villain we're used to. Like, we're not doing maniacal. We're not taking over a town where he literally was just a man making poor decisions, uh, in order to save his wife. And so the, the, the escalation there, like the risk, the risks of it, the hot, the stakes just wasn't what we've been used to for the past uh, two seasons. So like, when I sit with that aspect of it, I'm like, eh, I guess season three would be, Season three, as a whole, would be in th- at the bottom for me. It would really, it wouldn't be like number one or number two anymore.
2: Yeah, I respect that. I feel like this season really hit the ground running with like its first six, seven, eight episodes. But as we've headed towards the end of it, it does feel like it's running out of time. I feel like this season was paced as a Superman at low season would be, and now suddenly it's got two less episodes, and it's going to have to fasten that up a little bit and. I agree. The super story is not matched up to it and I don't I think partially because it wasn't as fleshed out. We've went episodes, episodes without seeing Clark in the suit or maybe show up for one final battle at the end and that wouldn't even be directly related to it. So I agree. I feel like I like that this show can do personal sticks instead of end of world sticks. We've had end of world sticks for the first two seasons. Let it do something different. I just hope it gets the chance now to move on to season four and go back to what we know it, do- it likes to do and do it does it very, very well. It just, it was, it, it's been a very traumatic season. It's been a very, very heavy season. Um
4: and heavy, it's been, That's a good word.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like it's been handled well but altogether it can get overwhelming and I understand why a lot of people would say the season wasn't for them. I haven't decided where I'm putting it in my ranking, but I think it hit the grounds running so strongly that it would have matched season one's quality. But as the episodes have gone on, it's
4: slightly. I love how I'm like, I've seen enough. I'm ready to state my opinion. And Michael's like, "Eh, eh, eh, wait, we got two more hours. (laughs) The show always goes that strong. What do you want me to say?
2: (laughs) Uh, But yeah, no, honestly, Things are, things are good. I just think this show obviously is, is used to being somewhat better. But that doesn't mean I have any issues with how it's handled the storylines. I just feel like maybe so many of them together can be traumatic for people. And so, yeah, I'll wait I'll wait to do my ranking. I'll probably rewriting a ranking, you know me. Um, I'll wait until afterwards just to see where I put it. But I do, I, I understand where you guys are coming from. And I agree that it's not the strongest season the longer
4: it goes on. I mean, look, I'm still watching it. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be still watching if I didn't like it. You know? Like, mm-hmm. if I'm going to watch a a season of a show that I don't fully enjoy, it's going to be a, a season of a show that I don't enjoy of a show that I enjoy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> I follow the thread. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'd rather watch a mediocre – I don't want to call it mediocre, but, like, you know what I'm Mid-tier? getting at. Like, yeah. Like, if there's a show that I love, if they're not hitting – for this, the, in a certain few episodes in a season, for me, I'd rather still watch it than, like, you know what I mean. If there's a show that I don't love and then I just lose interest, I have no problem dropping it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like, it's I'm not really- gonna like. Bitsy's too good to for me to leave. Like, you know, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I think for for me, the heart is in, the heart of the season is really in Lois's storyline and Clark and Lois's co- t- connection um and everything else is like you know we're doing things like things are happening in Smallville they're connecting kind of don't worry about that we over here with the Clark and Lois and like but i have to worry about it though because you don't know what you are doing with the teens i have no idea what's going on with Lana as the mayor she's just doing her mayor thing uh the we picked up and dropped the John Henry and Lana thing, and we pick it up again. I oh, we didn't even talk about Kyle and Chrissy. Not much to talk about. They're annoying me now, and um, I don't know. If there's, I feel like everybody else's plots, unless the boys are involved in the plot with their parents, is just suffering a bit because mm-hmm. they the real meat of the the season is Lois's cancer story, and they clearly care a lot about 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 that storyline. And everything else was like get to it, we get to it. That's what's, yeah. that's what
2: it's feeling like. Uh, yeah, this season storylines have been handled fine, but I feel like it's dropped the ball with some of the overall show storylines. Like uh, Kyle found out Clark was Superman, and then oh yeah, was, what happened with that? Uh, he found out Clark was Superman. He was like, "Great, can't, and that was it. It's not no no fallout. The only reason he does it, the only reason he wasn't happy was so he could take it out on Chris. So we have had a three-season-long story here building. Such hype up around it, building hype around it with Jonathan and Jordan over the last few episodes. Kyle finds out so he can fall out with Chrissy for the X amount of time um, so that whatever is going on with Sarah can make him realize that he was probably acting out so that he can go and apologize to Chrissy for the X time. And I'm like, you wasted a three season long arc here on that. He doesn't even care that Clark was Superman, the little nerd from his class that it sounds like he might have had fun
4: bullying when he was yeah. younger. Yeah. So, but we need to. I feel like we need to circle back on how aggressive Kyle was to Jonathan. I, we need that mm-hmm. to be examined because that mm-hmm. was a lot. It yeah. was.
1: <laughs> he he really stepped forward, and I was like, "What part of this interaction feels like it's appropriate?"
4: He's a teen boy, sir. What is going on? That was a lot, and my. Uh, red flags are popping off for kyle (laughs) he was he was being a hero what's wrong with that clark Um, we need to address that (laughs) he regressed to
1: season one kyle like it was very much giving season one it was scary to me Mm -hmm.
4: yeah
1: and like Clark had to like his father should not have to put his body literally in front of you so you don't try to go pull his son out the house like what are you yeah and like
4: even if jonathan had superpowers uh kyle what were you planning to do to him yeah (laughs) Good point. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, macho man. I don't know what you were going to do to the boy with powers. Oh my God, that whole thing. (laughs)
2: That's why the way the handling of the arc really bothered me. Because Kyle is a macho man. He... He he was someone who was it would have been at the top of his class in school and loved being the big like celebrity student, the class clown who everyone loved or whatever. But as the years have gone on, he's got worn down by Smallville. He doesn't like people like Clark who left and took their talents elsewhere while he stayed in town. So the fact is that he would realize that his classmate actually was—I don't want to say it's more successful—sounds mean. I don't mean that, but he like Superman of all things. I feel like the Kyle we know would have had an issue with that, and they just dropped us so they could take it out on Chrisy and. Yeah, I just, I feel like they mishandled that storyline really, really poorly. And then meanwhile, you've got Kyle coming through with the wisdom to Sarah. I'm like, okay, that's the Kyle that we've seen, the progression we understand. Yeah, pick one. Yeah, exactly. Are we season one, Kyle, or season three, Kyle? I just don't know. Do you guys
4: remember at the beginning of the season when I messaged you and I was like, did Kyle always have a job? (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's how much the character means to me is that I didn't even know he's been employed for three seasons. (laughs) Well, I
1: think, okay, so when they were very aggressive when we first met Kyle, uh, when it came to how much he was the archetype of the small town a man who whose life didn't go the way he thought it would and jobs and resources are leaving the town and he's very angry about it and then we started like moving away from it and I was like okay but if we moved away we have to move away entirely because season one Kyle was a lot season one Kyle was an alcoholic who was on the couch couldn't make it to his daughter's events clearly was giving like there were traumatic situations around that Like, it just was not a good time in the Cushing household. And now it seems like we are in a better place. So whenever he reminds us of that, I'm like, Kyle, please don't tell us, uh, try to joke with Clark about the times in which you bullied him. Mm -hmm. Not a good time, not funny to me, please move up. Clark
4: could flick you to the moon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which He was like, he was like, you know, you could have done something to him. He was like, yeah, he could have, Kyle. But why are we going back to when he was 14 and you pantsed him?
4: Why, Mm. why are we back there? you know what i want clark's revenge i love how though that we almost made it out of this review with uh kyle getting going out unscathed and <laughs> to, you know he's yeah. <laughs> getting the back. <laughs> pull yes. up a chair kyle <laughs>
1: hopefully they do they he has more balanced characterization though if they do get a season That's four sad. because it is sort of like out of like left field when they remind us that he's a jerk like, there is, like, he's been there's
4: some weeks where I'm like okay I like this character and then the next week they return to a different it's like sometimes it can be sitcommy. how like one week the character is like really flighty and kind of a ditz and then the next week they whatever the narrative wants from them they're like they can be the the voice of reason in the group or something and I'm like I need it's, it's too hard to hold on to certain characters because they change in different episodes depending on what's going on around them Mm-hmm.
1: It is, and especially for him. He's whatever yeah. the plot needs him to be. And at Chrissy whatever point. as well, yeah. I know, Chrissy's personality changed entirely this uh, season. She was a go-getter in season two, and now we just making poor decisions and feeling miserable most of the time. And that's just talking about flying. You know? headlights. <laughs> and, uh, again, everybody else's storylines suffering in season three, but Clark and Lois, immaculate, Eighth, thriving yeah. with the storylines. <laughs> But moving to uh, Hershey Bay for episode two of the final season, talking about Immaculate, I mean, Kendi McMahon's acting in this episode is just top tier.
4: A masterclass in comedy. Mm -hmm. Yes. But like, I love what this show does when they talk about things with a bigger message. Like this was very rooted in like toxic masculinity. They had something to say and they chose comedy is the vehicle and that's why i love comedy i love comedy so much guys because it can make you laugh but then you're like oh they're saying something they're telling me something and Mm -hmm. i kennedy just killed the tone of this whole episode and as i said on twitter kennedy on snl when (laughs) (laughs) because that was a whole sketch i loved it
2: (laughs) was so good and i totally agree comedy can sometimes be the most clever thing you'll you'll ever see on tv and they did have some really serious conversations and then you're like but wait it's such a goofy episode and that's just i think the beauty of it and you're right kennedy just completely over the top from start through finish what a blast it's an intense episode in a completely different kind of way you were just like on edge the whole time waiting to see what
4: she do next Love that. I mean, it wasn't even just the comedy in her performances episode. There are so many moments of vulnerability. Yeah. Like when they, um, I don't know if it was before or after they used the the supernatural oxygen mask. I don't know what that was Oh, called. the stomach pump. Mask.
1: Yes. <laughs>
4: yeah. Um, whenever she was coming out of the like tainted water, macho man haze, And oh yeah, because after it was when after she threw up on Bess's dress, and she just looks up at Ace and says, "I'm sorry." In that moment of like deep vulnerability, and Bess just like, "Oh, it's okay." (laughs) Clean it (laughs) off with some seltzer, (laughs) not even realizing like the weight of the two words that she just said to Ace. Like there are so many moments where Kennedy, she had a lot to do in this episode, and she hit it so far out of the park. It's in a different state. Mm-hmm.
1: It was the escalation for me. It was like she really knows how to properly stay in the pocket and how to get to the moments that she needs to be in and then fall out of them when she needs to for the rest of the scene. I thought it's really tricky to go from what she was doing with the character work with the, with bro Nancy to then after, like like you mentioned, Reed, after the stomach pump or even before that with the clarity when she's like, I, you know, can feel my emotions, can't really access them, but I am deeply sorry for what just happened in this kitchen. And then she was able to like express how she was feeling, um, the why she wasn't telling Ace about the real aspects of the curse, how she dealt with them. I was like, how are we like laughing and like being like cringy and then a second later being like, oh my God, Nancy, I'm so sorry. I mean, it sounds awful these five <laughs> weeks. Like it just felt. Kennedy is really carrying this network, but she's also such a delight and really makes this, Nexiju as a character and you as a show, really work. I feel like if you didn't trust your lead, you couldn't do a story like this. Mm-hmm. Because there, there's so much that this episode asked of her. And it wasn't even just comedic timing. It was like, can you have comedy and be vulnerable? Can you have the comedy be a reflection of things that Nancy's suppressing? And then once you get you out of that aspect of the episode? Are you going to be able to articulate with your face and with your line delivery what she went through the entire time? I think my favorite speech from her is when she was talking about how she couldn't access her feelings. And she didn't know, like, I couldn't even imagine what it's like to be someone who has closed themselves so much from their emotions that there's such a blockage that you cannot actually access how you're truly feeling. Like you have no idea what's going on in your body. And that is what Nancy had to, that's what Kennedy had to convey. And she did it excellently.
2: Mm -hmm. and it was incredibly powerful because we know that nancy sometimes does try to like move away from how she's feeling or like cover it up for a little while and by taking them all away all of her emotions all at once you almost you saw how when she got them all back she was so overwhelmed by it she was like confronted by not just what not just the feelings that she would talk about but also the feelings that she wouldn't which is why i thought this was an excellent plot device for this episode where she wouldn't talk about how she felt about S or talk to him about how she felt about him over the uh, the dream sequence that she lived through over the, that month, because after the like intense drop off from last week's episode and then you're instantly thrown into this ridiculous, wacky, over the top plot, I can see why somebody would be saying, what are we doing here? This is such a network trope but because there was such an overpouring of emotion this was an excellent way of getting it all out and ultimately making her confront it so that she would have that conversation with this in the end it all came together so well so yeah obviously kennedy's performance was amazing throughout the whole thing and carried the storyline because another actor might not have been able to make that work but not only did she make it work the material was there for her to work with and it really paid off in the end. Because I know I was like, oh, why are we doing a silly episode so quickly? But by the end of it, they totally justified that decision.
4: This show is so skilled at doing things like that, finding creative ways to tie in the high emotional stakes, even the stakes within the mystery, and making them unexpectedly fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I would have never expected Bro Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> but it was such a clever way of untangling this curse and connecting it to the overall mystery like i i don't know how they came up with it it's, it's amazing it's mm-hmm. genius
1: I, and especially the way we enter into this in um Burn nancy phase where we Nancy. i've just come off a very emotional conversation in which nancy being Nancy is not opening up entirely about what was going on. I love about. that
4: scene by the way. I forgot to mention that when Prince and Kennedy booth. Yeah, mm-hmm. the that scene in Act One was amazing.
1: And there's so much tension. Even with two people like uh they're just in the booth. And it's like you can see she Kind of wants to tell him, but doesn't want to tell him. And Ace is very determined, and he wants to know the the whole of it, not just what she's just she feels is appropriate to tell him because it is a curse about him too. I mean, it is his life
4: on the yeah. line. But, but like, she takes on this role as protector, and she does do She's her. like, I will carry the burden for the both of us. I'm like, and, I'm gonna I'm gonna save you as long as I can.
1: <laughs> and it's like, no, girl, you have to let him in. But we yeah. come off of that tension to like one George. Uh, Serving Judge Abbott, like, it felt very like we haven't removed ourselves from what we're used to doing at the clock because she was in and out of that office pouring water. We were picking up files. We're handing files away. I was like, okay, I don't think you need to do this much as this clerk. You can sit down and review, <laughs> review the law briefs. But the, like, when by the time, you know, they get there because you have the heart attack, the way that we get to the curse, the, uh, not the curse, the bro Nancy, it's just ace and being awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and just accidentally like knocks the water into her face and we get to joke love, yeah it and that's serious
4: i love how she's looking at the glass of water no one's listening to her. she's like is this cloudy to you and then he just bumps into her and she douses it all over so. herself <laughs> and the way they froze afterwards like total comedy moment she's like i think i'm fine
2: <laughs> and Alex's no, timing not.
1: too when he's like she's good she looks okay <laughs> and george is like I don't think so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then when you saw the black vans, you're like, oh, no.
1: That was great. I love that that sequence with the stop sign. I was like, are we going to get into a car accident? For what? For what? Just let the lady come through mm-hmm. with the, the stop sign. And I think I love soft uh, Nancy and Ace, but I do enjoy, I did enjoy their argument outside of the car
5: because mm-hmm. it
1: felt like part of Nancy actually crawled through there, which it also is like, he doesn't actually push you that much. So for you to be like, this is what you do. You can't handle that. Like I, I'm not giving you the information. I was like, that's not what he does. He generally does let you move at your own pace. It's just, this involves him this time. So he's, it, he's pushing. It reminded me of the way she reacted when he was mad at her. And I think that's the mm-hmm. season two premiere where he's yep. just not being the ace she's familiar with. She does not handle it well when ace is not rea- reacting the way that she wants him to react, which is giving her grace. And we're not doing that right
2: now. hmm Yeah I totally agree with that because when they go out on missions together they've always been like these two parallel forces that kind of they've always worked side by side each other whereas obviously now that they're getting on the journey to getting together it now that they've clashed over this they're not parallel anymore they're literally colliding so what she said to him wasn't fair but like a lot of what Nancy said to him in this episode wasn't fair but I also just wanted to say something about like the symbolism the fact that they were having an argument in the car and the fact that Nancy was like trying to nearly starting that that, uh, showdown in the middle of the road. Like was that like not a nod towards the fact that Ace actually did die in a car accident? The the fact that it was I believe the traffic came from that side of the road as well, and so it was quite like it would be pretty funny if they use that as like that imagery to kind of um make us nervous because we've never seen them to have that much of an argument in the first place, let alone that intense one in a very very small compact car you know what i mean so i just thought that was quite kind of genius as well nancy drew's all about the subtleties nace itself is a subtle so that was kind of really really clever if that was what they were intending
1: the fans were freaking out on twitter i did see that during the episode they were like why are they in the car together get out of the car why are we in the car <laughs> and i was like oh right they, that is a thing my bad y'all i was fine <laughs> in the car but they were like <laughs> they were like why are you so close to each other um so perhaps that was and um tension that they wanted to build the writers wanted to build mm-hmm. to, to be like could is it because we don't really know the rules it is supposed to they're not supposed to act on their feelings but they generally are talking about their feelings and i'm not sure if that is also an issue that they cannot do that either i really wish i mean that was the point of temperance's curse it she did not give parameters but i wish we had some because what is mm-hmm. acting on them is it physically or can you literally not tell each other how you feel about one another in conversation without potentially shaving off time on his life
3: mm-hmm yeah i, I assumed I'm... it was
4: like wasn't that show pushing daisies about like if he touched the girl she would die i never I watched the show me neither
1: i just no? know he was oh. dead but i did <laughs> thought he was dead or <laughs> was he the one that
4: would die i don't know i thought that was like they were like in love but they couldn't touch each other like physically like they couldn't even like hold hands or anything where one of them would die that's kind of what i assumed even though we aren't given parameters so i don't know yeah, I did wonder that because they haven't shared a hug or anything. I know they were they were never
2: only Nancy really started hugging him recently obviously when she started realising how she felt. But like even the scene when they like lay down on the bed and started chatting together at the end and I know we'll get to that generally but like there was distance between them it feels like they are keeping their distance from each other even when they're in the same room so i know like if, if they hug as friends now that they're aware of how they feel about each other would that start the curse what are the parameters about i know we talked a little bit about that last week like it could happen tomorrow but it could happen in 50 years from now so it's just if i it's vague on purpose to create torture but i wonder if the show will actually address what the parameters are in the first place
1: hmm hope so i I mean i figured that we probably will do some type of experimenting or exploration since that's literally all ace wanted nancy to agree to and she did finally agree to Mm -hmm. it by the end of the episode what that was a trip for them though emotionally um bro nancy's way of moving through her feelings is absolute trash uh and (laughs) it's just absolutely atrocious but it did like produce some comedic moments i think my favorite is probably from the hospital when she's mm-hmm. like using innuendo and you're like, girl. Um, and, but then she's also jealous because he's simply talking to a nurse. And then, of course, I wanted to push her off the seat though when she was like, I don't, why would I care about you talking to somebody else? Like mm-hmm. that you didn't have a chance anymore. he was like, okay, he's right to leave now because it stopped being fun. It stopped being. There was being tension funny.
4: too with um, that scene with Nancy Ace and Tristan where. Or- mm-hmm. Cute. ace was kind of like darlene's a good name for a boat and then he made the comment about making his bed he's like i make my bed every day <laughs> <laughs> and like he, he you know he
2: was trying out they were obviously one up in each other but like the fact that Ace begrudgingly gave him the comment about how good the name was and he didn't want to give it that's it's such so a thing yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly
1: and justin clearly doesn't know that there's something going on there because mm-hmm. he's like I don't know why you're acting like that, but Nancy, I would save you any time. And this is like, mm, okay, lobsters. Like <laughs> we have a, <laughs> but she did like it's, it's uh, one of the things I do appreciate about Nancy. She's so kind. So like, even though she felt the tension, we're still gonna ask Tristan about his vote. Like we're mm-hmm. in what we can do to help in any situation. I did like that we got the ace meeting Tristan and, and being aware of the whole Tristan Nancy vibe out of the way early because I feel like if we're going to set up this triangle completely it needed to happen early especially if they're going to remove it halfway through the season because i assume that's what they're going to do i would be very surprised if in this 13 episode season we're still hanging out with tristan and the idea of tristan and nancy by like episode seven i'd be like what are you doing it's time gonna...
4: i liked that i in episode one we didn't really get confirmation that nancy was really interested in him like overtly it was just like they met um but because she was uninhibited and bro Nancy, which is different than any time she had like truth serum or like any time she was speaking freely. But like she called him Hot Lobster Guy. She talked about his arms nonstop. So real. Um, so like now we know what was going on inside her head that she wasn't vocalizing because she's so consumed with everything that's happening with Ace and everything that she's wasn't, I guess she was like, that's not like a thing. He's there and he could be useful. But like, whatever. But now we know she's attracted to him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she said it.
2: <laughs> it was very like the episode where she got um hit with the, like, lost serum and she was running. I know that was after every man, but they did acknowledge some of that stuff. Obviously, Nancy does think about, it, but she's always got so much on in her life that she can never, like, talk about it or vocalize it. Not that you would to the extent that she was in that episode, but it's the same hair that you, even though it's a very exaggerated version of the character, A lot of what she said, obviously, Nancy really is feeling. So now we know that there is something between her and Tristan because, like Reed said, there was that oddly awkward, cute hug they nearly gave last week. But generally, that could have been just friendship. Whereas now we know she clearly is somewhat attracted to this man and we know, obviously, he clearly feels the same about her. It's a shame it's happening all in the final season because I feel like that would be a fun journey to be on. But obviously, the show has to root for Ness and There's no other end game right now than Ness, So um, that's where we're going. So right now it's just an obstacle, but I feel like it's one we could have a little bit of fun with if it wasn't the final season. I mean, I'm going to try and have fun with it anyway.
4: Yeah. I know there's a lot of theories. Yeah, they are. And there's a lot of theories about Tristan, which I won't mention because we're two hours into the season. Um, But things that have been said about him playing more into the season. Did Kennedy say that? Something that's sort of like that, where like he. Oh, her
1: post more I think it was one of the post-mortem ones where like he will have an active role. Yeah. In what's going I, on? i
4: My Scooby ears went up when he said that he was adopted. I was like, okay, we know that about you now. And that feels like it's going to be important because why would we just mention that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like now I'm like, okay, going to tuck that away into unraveling who you are, sir. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> And will he get on with the glasses? Does he like the glasses? I know he broke in to get that device. Um I'm interested to see what his relationship I Ryan with. Ryan did is. that. Didn't Bessie Ryan found it? Did did he find it or did Tr- Tristan? I don't
4: know. he got it. Got it. There was a scene where Bess was on her phone and she mentioned Ryan, even though he was off camera the whole episode. Yeah,
2: so it, he seems to be using his knowledge or his resources a lot, even though we don't see that. So did he find out that there was one in existence and the glasses had it in their collection, and then Tristan oh, yes. took it for them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what it that is. Right. Yeah. Um, while we're all on that note, I do love this show's making me laugh the more it goes on, and um, with all of its—is it MacGuffins? Is that the right term or whatever? And um, because uh, was it like the '60s Batman series? that used to have it always have a solution for whatever problem. They find themselves in Batman, would have a thing on his utility belt that wasn't there before. Or, like when they got turned into cardboard, they had a bat 3D restorer in the bat cave this show's kind of doing the same thing now because of course there's a supernatural stomach pump when Nancy just happened to need a supernatural (laughs) stomach pump but of course why not why wouldn't there be but I mean like I love the fact that we can explain it away with that it's in the glasses collection this time because beforehand it was oh that's in the historical society so I do feel like Bess and the glasses are going to continue going head to head now with the whole like their collection versus the historical society but yeah it adds adds another whole new humorous layer to the story
1: and it connects Tristan to the story in a way that is, is interesting. I think mm-hmm. when we do love interest with, for Nancy, they often do connect in a way that's important, except for some reason Tamora never did. But I think that's probably because they just decided to toe dip that one halfway through that season. But I do think one thing I do want to say, uh, at least for the shippers, is just a reminder that this is very in character for Nancy. I don't think we've ever had a season where she wasn't in a relationship with somebody else or wanting to be in a relationship with somebody else but also experiencing feelings for another person. Like she was in a serious relationship with Nick, but clearly was attracted to Owen and really was, that was very apparent. Uh, The more that they started hanging out with each other, uh, she was getting over Nick, but at the same time starting to notice Ace. Uh, And then there was, we're not gonna touch the Tamara thing because that didn't make sense. And then um, she was, she was into Ace, but unsure about his feelings. So therefore was, was was leaning into her relationship with Park and was going to do that seriously. So now, yes, she has feelings for Ace and they're very big feelings, but she can't be with him. So her attention is starting to move a little bit towards Tristan. Nancy seems to be a person who has enough room in her heart to be able to handle who she's in love with, but who she wants to try something out with. is who she is. So I think that like, is Tristan a threat? No. <laughs> like what because she can't be with Ace. But I do think I like them. I think they're very soft. They could prove me wrong if if Tristan turns out to be maniacal or manipulative in any way. I'm trusting that the necklace he handed back to her, that's her, that's a symbolization that both her mothers hasn't been tampered with. We know who his parents are, so it could have been. But um, he could just be a sweet boy. Who really just wants to do his best and capture capture lobster and potentially take Nancy on a date. And I, I'm happy that they're exploring that while we're waiting for her and Ace to be able to be together. Because they are going to be together. I feel like if they're not together, there are going to be a lot of pitchforks. And I'm not sure how um, <laughs> that's going to implode. But we're just going to, you know, I don't really feel like we have to manifest it. I feel like it's on the wall.
4: It's going to happen. It's inevitable. Yeah, they're gonna break the road. curse, they're gonna break the curse, and he's gonna ask her to go on a walk. It's all gonna happen.
1: Oh, that'd be a lovely parallel.
4: Yeah, yeah, I just don't want that to be the final scene of the series. No, yeah, let's get there quicker. And, yeah, let and <laughs> <a little, laughs> happen together. together. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we've been waiting to actually see them that first cast. A couple <laughs> because there is a scene, don't come yeah. for me, anybody. I'm just you know thinking out loud here. There were some scenes where um, they were like so desperate to be together. And part of me is like, we've never actually seen them together apart from that, what Ace called a hallucination. Like they've always just been like pining, like we've never seen them. So part of me was like, I don't know, like, um, maybe I shouldn't even say this, but like part of me was like, we're really rooting for these people that we've never actually seen together (laughs) together. again i want to see them together i was just like that's an intrusive thought i had during some of the scenes that were really beautiful and great i don't know i just had to vocalize that
2: we did say we do have to rush things sometimes that we didn't see them have that first kiss. so i guess that's what we're waiting on um i look forward to it like you said we're on the journey we are getting it is inevitable at this point it would be ridiculous for the show to go in any other direction now that it's the final season um but yeah we're on board we're rooting for them and Seeing how this journey plays out.
1: Before we talk about the mystery, though, since we're on the topic of romance, uh, the romance was interesting this episode, uh, to see Nick out there with Jade, who he'd met on a dating app. And that is cute, The best pointed out, you know, this is your first time getting back out there. And he's like, no, it's not. And she's like, well, everybody's been in our friend group, so it is. And he's like, you're right. Uh, Mm -hmm. I wonder how Jade is going to play into the story if at all she might just be well they sorry they might just be a part of the background plot uh and that'd be interesting they are a uh what are they social media person which could mm-hmm. be something that they do a case with where like maybe it's a, a social media network that has gone awry and jade's a part of the episode but i thought that nick dating is cute i mm-hmm. think that's an it's a nice little little z plot to the side i thought that was adorable
4: it does kind of seem like a a layover to getting Nick and George back together. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, in my mind, what I'm picking up on is that's the, that's the game plan is <laughs> them being together. Because who did George text when she found out about the water? Nick.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that was one of my favorite things about this episode because. We actually got to see nick and george have some scenes together that did not make me want to roll my eyes because that was a it was struggle for them in season three um and i really enjoyed their time together i I'm li- i like this nick and george friends era um i like reed said i do i do think there's an end game in mind here i don't think we are getting back to them getting back together at some point but it's so nice to just see them at a point in time where they're on the same page again where they tra- kind of
4: root for it yeah actually.
2: absolutely 100 and um I just love seeing George is at a place also where she feels like she can be more of herself as well. Can I say that introduction where you just saw her walking in the heels and then she like struts over to the booth and she kind of profiles Nancy and S by saying, oh look, you're together but not too close together. Not only a great way of catching us all up on what went on since the last episode, but I just love seeing George succeed. And then the fact that she held Judge Abbott to account in the end, this man who she started to idolize. Yes, George, here for this era of George. Love it for her.
4: I think her character arc from the beginning to now is probably my favorite. Seeing her Mm -hmm. come into her own and do something for herself and have agency over her life. Like she was a single mother, essentially, (laughs) running a business, doing what she needed to do to make ends meet. And she was rightfully so angry when we first meet her. Like she's, because she's stressed. She's carrying a lot. And now she gets to have time to hold space for herself and do something that fulfills her. That's not just trying to feed her sisters or keeping the lights on. Like she's doing something that makes her feel like herself. And it's such a joy to, to see her have her Elle Woods moment in the hospital room with judge Abbott. Like she's gets to be the one that proves herself and she's the one. It's not Nancy that put the pieces together. It was her. Like she gets to have that, that moment and it was ugh, Leah always just kills it I think when she has this material to work with and not clunky exposition mm-hmm.
1: I think her storyline George's like you said through the like a series long arc is very inspiring because we do meet her at a place where she's at an absolute low even I think later on I don't remember what season it is but she alludes to I guess she was going to take her life Uh, Um, and it was her, her sisters that were keeping her tethered to, to the world. And it's to see all, like, to see her work through emotional turmoil and her trauma and get to a better place is, A lot for people. I think that be is very important for people to see, especially with her background. You know, she is she was a young girl who was raising her sisters, whose mom was a drunk, and uh, and there was a reason behind that. But she also it doesn't excuse what was happening, and it doesn't excuse like the men that were in and out of the house. It doesn't excuse her feeling like she has to be a parental figure when she should have just been a kid. Not to mention there was the whole Ryan thing, and then not having to claw back her self esteem and her self-worth and her value. And she is clicking around in these heels and she's speaking directly to a judge about what he should have been doing. You could tell that she's going to be a force in Horseshoe Bay as a lawyer because she knows what it's like to be someone who's been taken advantage of by the system. Mm-hmm. who feels disenfranchised who feels who knows what it is to be struggling to put food on table for a bunch of kids when she herself as a kid like so this is not going to be a problem for her I love that Judge Abbott needs to move because she is going to be taking over that spot in 20 years <laughs> and she deserves it I I do love that she was the one who figured out it's the water that is causing mm-hmm. everybody to well will cause everybody to start shifting personality
4: and more about, I know we struggled with, like, the end of George and Nick and, like, the order in which, like, the breakup happened and George's realization. But just seeing this, like, and it, it's not even just that she needed to do this for herself to grow to be able to be with Nick, to have a, future, a romantic future at all. Um, I mean, it's important for herself, period. It doesn't have, she does not have to do it for a man, but... I think this is exactly what she needed to do and i don't remember if she vocalized it in this way but before she got married and maybe their life was different and maybe she wouldn't be able to go to law school i think she really needed this for herself before she committed to something for the rest of her life because she was like what is my life mm-hmm is it just being someone's wife and running this business and raising my sisters can i do something else and i think this was really important for her character specifically to find that strength within herself to be like no i'm capable i can be a lawyer i can i can do this and i think it's important to for anybody to step back and realize that like it's okay to prioritize yourself before you commit to something else mm-hmm. because she really i think she really needed that and I th- the way that it's being communicated subtly is once again chef's kiss. We're not being h- hit over the head with like George needed to learn about herself. <laughs> <Like>, it's just <laughs> happening.
2: And she is really thriving. I She was flourishing in this episode and I feel like One thing I really enjoyed about it is that she almost did maybe as much, if not more, investigating than Nancy did, or at least more successful investigating, because I know Nancy was running in all guns blazing and making accusations. And I think in the end, she actually ended up being right. But like George was in the background doing the subtle investigation, leading the charge, trying to keep Nancy in check when she went off the deep end. And then she was the one that figured out about the water in the end. George was at the heart of this investigation, and I think she's just been one of many members of the Drew crew, and I know they've all brought their own unique aspects of it, but like Bess was the witch, Ace was like Nancy's second-in-command, and her confidant, who she went on all these missions with, we're finally getting to see that George is every bit as good as this investigating thing as Nancy is, and considering they kind of foreshadowed that with the fan-fans last season, or was that the season before? I really can't remember. Um, it really just it, it feels like the ultimate payoff here. I'm glad she's thriving. She deserves it.
1: I wish Best Were Thriving though. Mm-hmm. I feel like storyline-wise, I'm not like she is what they're giving us uh as far as the mm-hmm. content, she is. But as far as like my personal feelings on the way that they've written her, I don't know what's I mean, we're only two episodes in, but I still don't really know what's going on with her uh for yeah. s- season three. There were t- I, It was a hit and miss for me. Like there were times I was like, yes, best, yes. And then there were other times where I was like, mm, what's this characterization? Why are you only doing whatever the plot needs you to do? Why are your emotional reactions kind of not that in character? Uh, now, I, I wish I cared about Addie and her relationship. I just feel like they didn't build it enough in the previous season. So now when it's time to meet the parents, the fact that we didn't even explore the fact that she uh, did not go meet Lizbeth's parents, which I felt like they should have done in this episode considering she was gung-ho about wanting everything to be perfect. That rubbed me the wrong way. Cause I felt like it was a tie, it was an opportunity for some characterization for her, some character development or exploration. And they just chose not to do it. They chose to ignore it. Like that wasn't an issue from her past. Uh, I feel like that was a missed opportunity. And I don't think they're going to circle back to it. Wish they had done it. Um, uh, I just want more from Bess as a character. Besides being a, an awesome plot and like an encyclopedia about magic, uh, and comic relief at times.
4: Yeah, I feel like so far, especially in this episode, she's been like the mom friend. Mm-hmm. She was helping everybody like logistically. Um, yeah, I'm not totally locked in yet on what Bess is up to. Although I did love when she was planning the menu for the meet your parents dinner, everything she su- suggested was fried. I was like, that's so real, Bess. <laughs> <laughs> and Addy was like, that's still fried. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> but She she
2: does have so many great moments of comic relief, but it, I think the issue or the, the fear with the show is that because she's the quirky character she gets quirky storylines and that's kind of it like when everybody was panicking about the mystery or whatever she's just off like cooking in the background and like that's hilarious it is funny but i mean like this is not the first time you've done this with Beth. she kind of is played for laughs when there is a deep character there that we just have stopped exploring somewhere along the, along the way if you, you know well, what also
4: I mean? like best if the sauce was finished cooking take it off the heat why does ace have to babysit it <laughs> I didn't make, that didn't make sense to me. <laughs> what are we making that we need to find no lumps in the sauce? And it was
1: very strange. That I was trying to figure out what she was cooking because the, I was like, why is this taking so long to make this salmon? What, what are you doing? How are you making the salmon? Cause the, the, the case is like hours long and she's still in the kitchen. I was like, yeah. what, are you, what are we making? And what
4: happened to the trope of ordering food and pretending that you made it and hiding the, the <laughs> containers? <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a good restaurant in town, Bez.
1: She literally works at the worked at the Claw. They don't have a good salmon? We couldn't yeah, have had a nice salmon it. brought in?
4: Is anybody cooking at the Claw? Apparently <laughs> at
1: nighttime, because it was hopping in there. when Jordan It was.
4: <laughs> they were all getting their water refills. Okay, but wait, we never mentioned the Nancy and Ace fight sequence. And I feel like we need to at least mm-hmm. mention it, because mm-hmm. it was great.
1: It was. I. That's the part when I was like... Um, live slacking it to y'all <laughs> but while I was watching that I was like, I don't know how I feel. Cause it was very um out of nowhere. And I think I was just having ace feelings, but he doesn't deserve this, but
4: um, he doesn't.
1: It was very lifetime in a way that I loved. It felt exactly. I was like, I feel like I'm sitting here watching a lifetime movie and it's escalating because the male lead has is, is about to get rejected. And it was like, I was like, this is creepy. Kennedy is doing this amazingly. She was like, I took notes. I understand how to do the, the this. The way escalation. it was shot was
4: incredible.
1: It was. It was, it was, ex- I was like, who's done this before? Some, clearly, someone has shot scenes like this because it's lifetime mm-hmm. in such the best way
2: and just the way you could see like nancy like behind them with that look of longing for like minutes on end as she kind of stalked him and then of course the camera changed when she got very violent and yes bless him he was very very good the way he was able to throw the salad at her or whatever he managed to subdue <laughs> her without having to put a hand <laughs> on her
4: <laughs> uh and then throwing her in the closet as as <laughs> and
1: then the please even as we, we're speaking to our phone but we're saying Call best, please.
4: Call me yeah.
3: <laughs> like,
1: please. And I was like, even like we're, just, we're being so polite, even as we're like scared and and un, and confused about what's going on. I liked though um, Kennedy's delivery of her lines before it escalates to that point because it's insincere mm-hmm. and it's still very bro. Nancy like, and I do think she feels like he's the best guy, but it's the way she's saying it. She, like like she's placating him, and like mm-hmm. I'll tell you everything. What do you want to know? You're like the best guy, and I was like, run like it's very much
2: run. my like again that scene in an episode after the big reveal what are they doing but but i mean after we saw a play out, we knew what they were doing oh it was a work of genius i
1: know down to the gender roles it, it yeah. really was i was like the oven mitt is doing so much in this scene to help carry it as, as he pulls out this dish i was like yeah and i didn't know love what they're this. doing
4: this small moment when they were discussing what was going on with Nancy and they were they were identifying it as like how I don't know specifically who said it or what was said, but the the implication was that she's acting how certain men act. And Ace was like, "Nick and I don't act like that," and I was like, "Yes, because you are kings." Mm-hmm. I said this before <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> Not an ounce of toxic masculinity from you two. Uh,
1: truly, and we they had moments in which that could have showed up, and it didn't. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the the Tristan scene, it did with him.
4: The best men on TV. I just I. Period. That's it.
1: So lovely. We love just, them. It's so uh, so great. Okay, we've talked about everything but the mystery, though. <laughs> so.
4: no, not again. I was <laughs> so confused, and I had to go back this morning and rewatch it, and like go to the end, and then piece together like what I missed because I it all happened so quickly when they pieced it all together, and I was like the water, and then the sludge, and the the what, the, what was happening with the with the judge and the that other man ended up not being as important to the overall plot but I did get there I did understand it at the end Um, and I liked the story that they told with that and what the message was and everything Um, but I did get there I did pick up on what we were doing with the water
1: (laughs) I think that overall like the way that it definitely feels like mystery of the week and then clearly becomes no this is about the overall plot was really well done i appreciated that like logan the the dude the way that he's characterized even with the memory his memories not being there that clearly something wasn't right about this interaction between you and maggie even on down to calling her magpie which I just, I felt like that wasn't, I think it was, was like, is it supposed to be cute or is that what y'all called her in a, in a rude way? Mm. Because he said she goes by Maggie, but we call her Magpie, which is like, so that's a disrespect of how she actually identifies, I see. Um, and then. Uh, to find out, you know, I love the anger about of that from George, where she says, you invoked uh, Lo- to, 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 to judge Abbott, you will look and Logan got to live normal lives after this. And Maggie has to deal with the trauma of what happened. Like and she doesn't even get to deal with it with the actual knowledge of it. She's headache. she is migraine so bad that she can only work part-time in a career that she actually likes. Because of the head trauma from from being hit over the head with that horse. And I was like, wow, we really going into the ways in which toxic masculinity can present itself. Even on down to this man having daughters of his own. And instead of changing his behavior or speaking to them about the behavior of men like him, he just decides to buff up. So that he can, instead of giving his daughter's tools to combat men like him, he's going to combat them himself. I was like, So we're still being toxic because mm-hmm. we're not giving them the tools to do this themselves.
4: And he was using that as a defense without, without realizing that his behavior needs to change. She was like, are you trying to cancel me? I have two daughters. And I'm like, well, you should have thought about that. You're being presented with ways in which you harmed uh, somebody else's daughter. And maybe we should look in the mirror about this instead of trying to use it as a defense to as a scapegoat to get out of changing and doing any work mm-hmm. or taking any um, responsibility or what's the word accountability for what you've done. That scene, I think, was the writing was really on par because we see that kind of language all of the time, like literally just open Twitter one day. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's somebody's response to being called out for something.
2: Yeah, and somehow he kind of like, he got away with what he did and he never should have, but he didn't take that as an opportunity to learn from it or grow. And like you said, he had a perfect opportunity with having two daughters, but he was just very, a very Neanderthal approach, which is why it's kind of clever that we needed someone like bro, Nancy with that outlook to see through it because some of the other people actually bought into the story because judge Abbott had it sold up so well. Um, Yeah. There was this, this episode was surprisingly layered. And I think we've said that about the show before, particularly when it goes down the like slapstick comedy kind of route. So many layers to the story and very, very well told. Um, very nuanced story all in all
1: and calling it out too i appreciated that when um bro nancy is speaking to maggie uh, clearly maggie's been gaslit into seeing mm-hmm. this a, a, a way that is not as creepy as it was she's like, it was like it was very boys will be boys and like you're suffered from it though like boys will be boys is not like well it should be not used but it also is your crush should not break into your house that mm-hmm. is creepy that should not that's not a um what she call it, a gag? Is that what she said?
2: Um like, I?
1: Uh, And I was like, I am so sorry that for years you've been told to feel differently about this even though it mm-hmm. was traumatic and uh, no one wants to find a random, per- well, not random person, but even someone they know just in their house just because, like, it's just, it's not okay. Or Abbott being complicit. I love that, like, it wasn't, like, you don't have to indulge in toxic masculinity to also be complicit in it. And mm-hmm. to, especially for your own benefit and i guess for his sense it would have been like he made a mistake instead of acknowledging that mistake because he was up for the seat right he just decides to cover it up and i guess let the good he does later outweigh the bad thing that he did It's like that's not how that works
2: Mm -hmm. and then speaking of abbott there's more going on here than they know yet but it sounds like he knows more Mm -hmm. how did uh, logan lose his memories and why was he insisting that george not look into it for her own sake obviously this must be related to the sludge or is the sludge drinking bringing out some of the dark secrets in town that have stayed buried for so long is that why it rose the dead in last week's episode is the sludge actively working against the secret judge abbott's trying to protect by bringing it out into the light or are they related in a different way I feel like this could be the strongest mystery we we've ever had on the show because we still know so little about it. If you know what I mean. It's very, very well put together and below the surface because it's never been the main plot of either episode yet.
1: And I think the it being in the water source too is gonna be interesting. Mm -hmm. Like either Abbott knows he does know more than we than he let on, but I do want to know how much he knows and why he knows it, and then how the sludge being in the water supply is going to change everybody and what that sludge even is like and mm-hmm. who if it was created who created it
2: yeah and will it, it i'm guessing bro nancy's starting to go on now so the, the broness is gone since it was restored to logan but how will it manifest if people are just drinking it in the water will it manifest in a different way and somebody else in next week's episode i feel like it's going to keep us on our toes and that's a good thing i'm excited to see how it comes about next
1: mm-hmm. It's a really exciting uh, season. Mm-hmm. And we're only two I episodes wish... in.
4: I wish we had previews of the next episodes, so... though. I know. Mm-hmm. Apparently Full we shade. don't
1: believe. Yes, we don't believe in promos now.
2: Mm-hmm. Apparently.
4: How do we end a pair?
1: I don't know. I don't wow. like it, though.
4: In 2022, <laughs> <laughs> I
2: remember we started doing this with Supergirl a few weeks, a year, years ago. Everybody complained, and Supergirl. I mean, I his would take back. the
4: five second Dynasty promos at this point, where they just showed Liz saying something snarky, and I'm like, yeah. I don't know what that meant for the next episode, but I guess, <laughs> like, I'll take that.
1: <laughs> I feel like uh, even five seconds of this episode though would have driven the fandom like bonkers. Because mm-hmm. it's just like, especially if it's bronians, they'd be like, What's going on? <laughs> like, <laughs> or even just Nancy clicking her pen away after she- as she's watching Ace and is very jealous about what's going on. Um, just give us a promo, please. Cut something. I don't know. Or even if it's just like a scene, it would be
2: lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if they did the dynasty approach with the one scene, like it really wouldn't have been that hard for them to do. That is how you conduct an investigation (laughs) since it was in the trailer. I mean, like really we're just giving them a five second promo. This has turned into a mini roast for lack of Nazi promos. And do you know what? (laughs) Let's let's roll
4: into the roast, the actual (laughs) roast that we had planned. Take it (laughs) away. (laughs) Yes.
1: It's about the flash complete series box set. Uh, the, you know, when everyone was imagining the cover art, we were thinking a fantastic picture of Barry or maybe one of the most like beloved uh, posters they have of him instead, we have the season six one, where it is our powers combined, and it is everybody uh, like it's giant Barry and then like the other characters just surrounding him and it's not good. And it's the one that CW is very, CW and WB are very aware of. Everyone hates because it's literally been dragged up and down the timeline since it dropped.
2: Remember when that key art was released, they made a big deal. It's the first time they've ever done press releases with new The Flash key art as though it's some brand new news instead of just releasing it on a Twitter page. I remember when it was released and everybody was excited about it. Five seconds later, nobody was excited about it. It was dragged everywhere. Uh, the Flash is very unhappy looking in it, which is uh, completely goes against the nature of The Flash. It's got all of the bad characters in it that nobody cares about. Um, uh, Daniel Pannebaker uh, obviously plays Caitlin as well as Killer Frost. It was released two weeks before Killer Frost died. Why was Killer Frost on the poster then? Um and obviously now it's a complete series box set, so why is the reverse Flash on it? Or one of Tom Cavanagh's countless other characters on it. This man was part of the show full-time for seven seasons, and then on a recurring basis for the last two. They never fully let the reverse Flash go. He should have been on the cover. What about Harrison Wells? Harry Wells from Earth 2, HR Wells from Earth 19. I would have taken mm-hmm. all of them over Allegra, Chester and Cecile any day of the week. Um, Why is Cisco not on it? probably the most beloved character in the hall of the flash but even aside from that the show was not called team flash on superman at lowest po- co- covers you have no one else on it outside of the kent's because they are the main characters we do not need team flash on the flash cover this is a complete series box set of the flash it should have been barry and barry alone on that cover from start to like super finish exactly mm-hmm. just like supergirl just like arrow and um, those box sets and I, I love those casts, but I totally respected the decision to have the title character on the cover. Not only did they pick the worst poster of the title character they've ever released, because it totally goes against everything he stands for. That man is not miserable. He's happy. Um, We have all these other people we didn't ask for on the cover. That is not the complete series of The Flash. You can't even see the lightning bolt on his chest because somebody's covering it up. And if if they wanted to have Iris on the poster, they should have just done Barry and Iris. But unfortunately, we have the whole team flash and then Cecile at the front like that there. And that using that same recycled shot of Cecile that they never had Daniel Nicolette do another photo shoot because they were like, let's use that same shot of Cecile over and over again. It was an utter waste. The season nine cover with the whole cast on it is far better. Um, This was not planned. I just went off the cuff i think i said everything we <laughs> need to say um it was it's genuinely i love this show and i love its artwork but that is the worst poster they have ever released for it and it pains me that they have decided to sell the show like that
4: when does the box that come out july august
2: something like that i think so I, it's uh,
4: probably being printed it's too late to believe that yeah
2: um mm-hmm. i was so miserable when i read it i didn't even bother thinking oh when's this coming out because i'm not getting it with that cover sorry by digitally because or something, but like,
4: if they just like deleted the other characters and just left Barry on it, mm-hmm. which they have a version better. of that, yeah. There's the first. picture just like, is like that. It just doesn't like look good. <laughs> no, like the other characters out. are placed awkwardly on Barry's body. I don't know. Not good. No, I don't
1: know. They don't. and the the final poster was fine. The final poster that like, um, mirrors the first one that they. And then the second one, they had dropped were Barry's, like, running. Would have been absolutely fine. Spectacular. Would have slapped that on there. We're all by it. Now it's, like, we're questioning life decisions. And it's, like, oh, I don't, I don't want it. Like, can I? Mm-hmm. Like, well, the, like. then you're, like, internationally, would they have another version of it? Should I just, like, pay the like the import (laughs) fees to just get a cover that I actually enjoy so I can have this
2: complete series (laughs) tell me if they've got one internationally because I'll be adding that
4: one (laughs) I just don't understand like WB is usually so good like just think of every Gilmore Girls DVD is just Lorelai and Rory every Veronica Mars DVD well they had some characters but in the forefront is Kristen Bell Supernatural always just Jensen and Jared Smallville is always Tom Welling and maybe one or two other characters, the complete series of Smallville is just Tom. I'm like, what what were what was go, what was the vibe in the office that day when we were coming up with this one? Was what, what wasn't what wasn't clicking? What was no no thoughts. No thoughts. Um I, I just
2: and like you go ahead I, please i don't I, want to rant anymore
4: it just boggles the mind <laughs> it really
2: does <laughs> i and feel it, like
4: i look at it and like it, my brain turns into scrambled eggs i don't i'm not even a fan of the show so i can't so even act, like
2: it's senseless and i i do hate the fact that every complete series box set has to use a poster from one of the last two seasons because they think oh well this is the modern version of the show this is clearly what people are going to buy it's the same way supergirl has got her season five look well, because they didn't do many shots for season six, but that's the most recent shot they had available. So they stuck that on the uh, complete series instead of the first four seasons where she wore actually traditional comic accurate outfit. But shows tend to do that. I get that. So that explains why Chester, Allegra and Cecile are on it instead of Cisco and um, a Harrison Wells but still try telling a flash fan that this show was watched by millions of people around the world. in it's first three seasons. It fell off significantly after that. It's still one of the most popular shows in the world, but nobody cares about these new characters. So I think it's disrespectful and utterly senseless from a marketing standpoint to put these characters on it that were inflicted upon us, not the ones we learned to love. These characters came out of nowhere and we had liked them. The storytelling did not service them. And, People didn't like them. So why i Why would you sell the show like that? Why?
1: And it's very confusing. It's reminding me of when, you know, they they publish the um, tie-in novels. Like they redo the covers for books that have been adapted without thinking about the fact that they did race-blind casting.
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: when you think you, when you're a person in the store and you're like, oh, I'm going to buy this book. Uh, and then you're confused because the races aren't matching up <laughs> in, in the book. Like I'm seeing a black man. On the cover, but the lead is actually white. I'm Mm -hmm. like, what, what's happening? And I get the impetus behind that because they want to show that the show is out, but it does confuse people. So for The Flash, it would be if you'd never seen an out, like a minute of The Flash in your life, you're going to assume Chester, Allegra, and Cecile are there in extreme capacity, like through the whole season. And you can be very confused when you watch this rest of this, like the first few seasons. You're like, where are they? They're not there. They're on my cover. But they're not there. It's like, yeah, they're not coming for a long time. You can Mm -hmm. go through like a lot of episodes before you get there. That's why I don't see why we don't just pay attention to what's actually in the material and do a cover that makes sense or alludes to it, or at least in the case of the um, books where the leads on the cover don't actually have the race that they are in the book to have a little blurb at the back. I think Mm -hmm. that people would appreciate that.
2: Yeah. I just... I'm done with (laughs) that. There's nothing else to add. (laughs) I'm
4: done with that. I I know. It's like, you guys struggled through the last season, and then they do this, and it's like, oh, my God. Kicking them when they're down, y'all. Like, I just can't. Like. Yeah. The words are, it's speechless. It's. it's Um, Something just seems so easy, you know. It really is. It's just one person. (laughs) The show is named after one person. (laughs) (laughs) It's not Power Rangers, and we know why
2: the show changed to Power Rangers after season six. So the fact that they're trying to market it like Power Rangers and like off, the, uh, off Sabrina's point, when Cecile pops up randomly in like episode 14 of season one for one episode as the DA, you're going to be suddenly thinking, she why is this woman? She was the DA in season mm-hmm. one, yeah. Um, you're going to be then randomly thinking, why is this woman who's in one episode suddenly on the cover with like vibrational frequencies coming out of her? Because she doesn't become a full-time rat character until like season four. Um, and I actually liked it back then. But the fact is, I have nothing. I have nothing more to add. The fact is nothing. This is not a case of fans trying to take over the show. The show has objectively not been good since season seven. And they've decided to market the complete series like that. Four wonderful years of brilliance, two decent seasons, and then two awful seasons. And they've decided to market it with just its inherently awful look. Why? This is not the legacy the show deserves.
1: No, but you know what? It makes sense for the era that we were living in. I mean, like one more for the road. Why not? Yeah, you, I guess. Yeah. you gotta laugh.
2: You gotta laugh <laughs> at this point. Take <laughs> us yeah. in the face one more time. <laughs> Just one
1: more time, and goodbye. That's that's basically what they did to us. That you know, it is what it is. Uh, I hate to end the pod on this note. It's gonna be uh, probably your
2: longest roast ever, but I mean, it, it was um, earned.
1: <laughs> you know, I, manifesting an institute complete series with an exceptional cover.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, the show never fails in that department.
1: I know, you know they'll do right by us for Nancy Drew. Mm-hmm. They really manifesting that, manifesting that wholeheartedly because the Flash did not do right by us. <laughs> 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 okay, well that is it for this week's pod. Thank you for listening. We're the CW Spiral. I'm Sabrina.
4: I'm Michael, and I'm Reid.
1: Bye, y'all.